This is your host, Terry Noland, and this is your community. Come on in, grab a seat, and strap in. Welcome to the podcast this week, friends. I am so glad to be here with you this week, and especially because we've got an incredible guest that has come to us through the Learning Ally Educator community, and this guest has spent time in schools. He's worked directly with students, and I am so honored and privileged to be able to highlight an educator that is doing the good work in schools and in working with our students. So welcome to the podcast, Chris Heim. Thank you, Dr. Noland. It's a pleasure to be doing this with you today. Well, I am so glad you are here with us. And Chris, why don't you just tell our audience a little bit about who you are, your role, and what you do every day to work with kids? Wow. I've been working with children for a long time. It's something that I've enjoyed. I can remember back to my high school years being a camp counselor in the summers. And then in college, considering a number of different paths, but ultimately thinking that it was important to me to do work that I felt would be uh, making a positive contribution to the world. So there I was, first year out of college, working as an assistant teacher in a third grade classroom. Then I ultimately moved into a second grade homeroom teaching job. And then there was a brief moment after that where I almost left the field, but then I returned as a fourth grade teacher Followed that with three years, spent in an administrative role. And after that, it was a feeling that I had that I needed to get back into the classroom. So I returned to homeroom teaching, second grade one more time for another 10 years. And that launched me into my most recent job as a learning specialist working with second graders and kindergartners. And I'm really loving that position. That is so wonderful because you've really seen education from all aspects, from being in the classroom as that as that grade level teacher to an administrator. Now you are supporting those learners as the role that you have today, Chris. And one of the things that I think is important, and you said this, that you have this notion of, oh, maybe I need to get out of education, but then there was something that was pulling you and drawing you back. Why then is education this beautiful place where you feel like you have to be? I think it's just deeply embedded in who I am. And so my journey away from education didn't last very long at all. The opportunity to support children's academic and social and emotional development is so powerful. It's just been so rewarding to nurture students' intellectual curiosity, to support their pursuit of their strengths and interests while helping to solidify those critical academic skills, and helping students unlock pathways to success in those basic skill areas rose to the forefront of my passions as an educator as my journey progressed, which is how I landed in the role that I'm in now. Okay. You're kind of like unlocking... I love the word that you use, curiosity. You're unlocking this beautiful curiosity that all children have and that your role is really important in that. Chris, talk to me a little bit about this role that you have today. 
and what that is and your journey towards this role, especially around we've had this big movement in our country around science of reading. You mentioned foundational skills for children. And just talk to us a little bit about your role, what that looks like, why it's so important for you to build these foundational skills while unlocking the curiosity for kids. Yeah. So I think toward the end of my career as a homeroom teacher, I realized that it was in a way, a little frustrating to me that I couldn't dedicate more of my time and energy to students who really needed that support. And that was a sign to me that was where I needed to concentrate my efforts in the future. I was ready for a new challenge and the stars aligned for that to become it. And so currently I'm working with kindergartners and second graders. This was my first year working with kindergartners, and I've worked with second graders for many years. And my work happens in a couple of different capacities. So I work in an intervention setting with some of our neediest students right before the school day begins, and then again, right when it ends. And this work tends to be focused on building reading and spelling skills, but it's also flexible depending on the needs of the students in a given year. And then during the school day, I work with the homeroom teachers to meet the needs of their students by pushing into their rooms or pulling groups of students out to try to maximize their learning. And what are some of the things that you are noticing that students really need the most help with that, that they may not have that full grasp on? What are some of the specifics of things you're working on? Well... We've really put a lot of time and energy at our school into making sure that we are teaching foundational phonics skills. We have, as the school, worked together as a team of learning specialists led by our literacy coach to develop a scope and sequence of those skills by grade level. And through a series of assessments, it's part of my work is to figure out where students have gaps that need to be addressed and then to pull together the resources to help them address those gaps. And so I find that work very interesting. The collection of the data, analyzing the data, the collaboration with colleagues, working with those homeroom teachers and having conversations. And it's really a pleasure to be able to do that on behalf of their students. You're speaking my love language, Chris, because that love language is all about understanding what the risks are for our students and assessing those risks, identifying the risks, and then attending to what our instruction should look like to mitigate those risks. And you're saying that your school, with the support of the literacy coach, are really working on those foundational skills critical with the students that you're working with. And you mentioned about assessments and data. Can you talk a little bit about that? So you're a learning specialist and we are assessing students and you find these risk factors for kids. What do you do to collaborate with the other educators in the building, those title or those tier one teachers, the general education teachers, and really come to a good understanding of the data and the assessments and everything that you're collecting? 
This can really vary depending on what it is that we're assessing, but I guess to take a broad view of that, we're not just assessing students' reading skills or spelling skills or even math skills and doing a surface level categorization and sorting of students. We're really drilling down. So for example, if we are administering a spelling assessment at the beginning of the school year, we're really looking at what are the phonics patterns that these students that are showing are not quite solidified yet. And then we are, we are in, then making some dynamic groupings of students who need to work on a specific skill and working to address them. But again, those groupings are dynamic and the assessments are repeated periodically. And so we feel like we feel really good about the way that we can work together as a team of learning specialists and homeroom teachers to meet the needs of their students. And, you know, some of those needs are intervention level support and some of it is enrichment too. It really is what does each student need from us in order to take the next step kind of situation. And you said something there too that that I just love it, that you said it's all it doesn't always have to be an intervention, but we also think about enrichment. That is this beautiful understanding of students and where they are. I could have something going on, some risk factor going on with a skill that hasn't been mastered, but you're also making sure that enrichment is there available for students. That's a leader move, in my opinion. This podcast is all about literacy leadership. That is a leader move right there. So, Chris, I really commend you, your team, for doing that. Well, thank you. Uh, enrichment is basically all relative, and intervention is just the kind of enrichment that different students need. It's just sort of a buzzword, I think, but, you know, all students need to be taught the next thing that they need in order to progress. And whether that's reading or spelling or mathematical, we're just always looking for how do we support each student in their journey to the next place. Let's talk about some outcomes for a minute. Do you have any case examples or any numbers, anything like that, or any just, oh my goodness, when kids figure out the code of our language and we're building language comp and they just start to perk their shoulders up a little bit. Do you have anything like that from any of your experience? Yeah, quite a bit. I've only been in this position for one year, but as you were asking that question, a, a couple of different students entered my mind. One was a student who came into second grade. When he was reading, he was sounding out basically every single word, not even saying the word after sounding it out. For example, if he came upon the word cat, he might say, at, and then move right on to the next word and continue this way throughout whatever the text was. By the end of the school year, the way that his fluency had progressed was just really amazing. And Again, this was a team effort. I'm not trying to take the credit for this. The child deserves a ton of credit because he would talk in ways that any educator would be impressed about the concepts that he had learned. He would name you back a spelling rule that he had been taught and how it works and why it works. 
And those are just the moments that make you think, you know, even though this student might not be finishing the school year where I wish that he could have, the amount of growth that he has shown this year is just remarkable. And I, I was just so proud of him. And, and that is a great feeling as one of his teachers. And I can hear in your voice too, that very exciting thing to see from a student. And the fact that you said, and he worked really hard too. I, when we give students the right instruction and help them crack the code, then they start to see in themselves that they can do it and want to put in that extra effort and energy. So, uh, you know, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm making an assumption, but I am assuming that's what was happening with him. Maybe a little bit down because I'm looking around and all the other kids around me are getting it ahead of me. But the minute that you get that code, oh my goodness, I'm ready to work hard. Absolutely. And the growth was just so palpable in the way that he decoded words, the way that he would talk about decoding strategies and phonics knowledge. It was really outstanding. And like I said before, a number of students came to mind. It's just, it's amazing when you find what the students feel proud about in terms of their knowledge or skills and how much they want to continue to practice that. I can think of another student I worked with this year who loved being given challenging words to decode using syllable division strategies, and he couldn't get enough of it. I could have spent my entire time with him just giving him multi-syllable words with prefixes and suffixes and taking those words apart bit by bit. And that was just really amazing to see. And isn't it so cool when these young little humans can recite back a spelling rule or the strategies that we're handing our kids and talking about prefixes, suffixes, multisyllabic words. And uh, these students can actually say these things, know these things, because Chris, as you and I both know, there are adults that don't know those things. Oh, I have no doubt that Many of my students go home and tell their parents things that their parents don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to do that. Oh, my goodness. I can just see the joy that these students experience this year. I mean, this is a big thing. And uh, the work that you're doing there is impacting a lot of students. I say on this podcast all the time that we need to be learners and growers ourselves. This isn't just about making sure that our kids learn and grow, but we as educators need to learn and grow. Chris, tell me a little bit about what do you do to learn and grow? I oversubscribe to podcasts and newsletters for one. I read and listen regularly and widely across the subjects I teach. I also enjoy reading professional books. You know, a lot of learning also happens just by talking with colleagues and sharing resources and ideas with each other. There are groups at school that are set up to discuss podcast series or books that we've read. And then there are other in-house professional opportunities throughout the year. And I also make it a point to attend professional development workshops hosted by outside organizations that I feel like will add to my skill set. So 
I agree with you. I think it's really important to stay dynamic as educators. And the best way to do that is to model the same kind of lifelong learning that we hope our students will aspire to. I can tell you're a learner and a grower with everything that you're doing. And you actually just put a name to a problem that I have. So thank you for that, Chris, oversubscribing to podcast. <laughs> yeah, that tends to be my life as well. But hey, wouldn't we rather have it that way to be an oversubscriber rather than an undersubscriber? Yes, I can live with the embarrassing number of podcasts and emails that I am subscribed to. <laughs> Yeah, it's easier to delete them, right? If I don't get to them all. A hundred percent. They're there. We only have so much time and it's important to keep some balance in your life as well. Absolutely. Well, Chris, what's in store for next year? Are you going back to doing the same role? Any new exciting things coming up? I am. I'm looking forward to year two. Like I said, this past year was my first year working with kindergartners. I absolutely loved it. Learned a lot along the way. Developed a nice repertoire of resources that, you know, I'll continue to add to, but I'll go into this year with more confidence, I think. And I'm just excited to meet the new kindergartners and second graders I'll be working with. I'm sure that this past year, your first year, gave you a little bit of a name and lights. A lot of the kids look forward to who their teachers are going to be next year. You probably got quite a few kids looking forward to being with you next year. I'm definitely looking forward to meeting them come September, and it'll be another good year. Looking forward to that work with those kids. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on this episode this week. And like I said, I just love speaking with educators, lifting educators up for the good work that happens every single day. So often, those moments where a child wants really hard words, give me more syllable division. Those are the things that need to be lifted up because while so simple, they are so incredibly important. And Chris, you're one of the ones that's making that work happen. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Noland. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for going on the journey today. Thank you for being present. Thank you for continuing to grow and learn. If we are going to make an impact on education, create significance in the lives of our students, we need you. If you want to learn more about Learning Ally, visit us at learningally.org and be a part of a transformational community.